There is something unique about this particular season in that everybody's radar is up and the things that we're engaging in and the things that we're hearing. And when you think about newcomers, you know, a lot of people experience new people coming into the church, you know, during the month of December, whether it's people that are traveling, whether it's people coming to a Christmas Eve service or, hey, the new year's coming. Um, we get this. Um, we're, we're just looking around for a church right now. And we feel like December is a good opportunity to do that as we're, you know, kind of anticipating the new year. And so coming into an environment that has been created to be welcoming and invitational, when we do maybe some Christmas decorations, you create a sense of warmth and a sense of welcome and a sense of invitation. That's what Christmas does for most people. And I, I would say, don't, don't miss that opportunity to do that. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 252. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and the voice that you just heard might sound familiar to you because Ronnie Martin has been on the show before. He's actually been on the show two times before, uh, but this episode that you're about to hear was already released about this time last year. And the reason why we've chosen to re-release it out into the wild is because, as you know, Christmas is coming. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to December 25th, which falls on a Sunday this year. And then also we're right already at the start of the Advent season. So a lot of us are teaching and preaching in the weeks leading up to Christmas and Ronnie is here to encourage you, to encourage me, to put heart and soul into making the most of this festive season. We speak about a book that at the time of recording last year wasn't released yet, but now I can say good news. The book God is with us is with us. And there'll be a link in the show notes if you want to get it. It's a 25-day devotional for Advent. And I'm sure it's personally enriching to every single person who reads it, but also it's 25 ideas for sermons. So you might want to invest in it uh, just so that you have even more fresh ideas for this year or the coming years. Okay, anyway... I am going to get out of your way and I'm going to allow you to re-listen to Ronnie Martin. And I hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word uh, during this Christmas season or every other season of the calendar. All right, here's my conversation from last year with Ronnie Martin. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. Uh, ho, ho, ho. And uh, we're here to talk about Christmas with uh, Ronnie Martin. Ronnie, welcome back to the show. It's your second time. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm here. I don't want to hear about your first sermon. I don't want to hear about your sermon prep rhythms. That's already been covered. I'm, I'm here to, to learn about Christmas sermons and the Christmas mm -hmm. season from you because oh, you're a big that's fan. A, that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Well... I don't know too many people that actually are as stoked on Christmas as you are. So oh, man. <laughs> you're the the first and only person that comes to mind when um, I want to have someone talk about Christmas. Well, I feel privileged and slightly sad that you don't have other people. In your yeah. Life. 
Christmas. So well, here's 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 what I think. I'm sure you've heard this before, but like uh, Christmas can be can be for the preacher just kind of an, an exhausting time or mm-hmm. a repetitive time where it's yeah. like, okay, how many times do I have to talk about the the gifts from the wise men or the is there you know the no room in the inn? Um, so there's this feeling that myself and many others sometimes feel of like, okay, this is kind of a challenge to come at it fresh every year. Yeah. I wonder how do you feel about that and what's why is Advent and Christmas so exciting to you? Well, I, you know, gosh, it's such a great question. And I think, you know, I love Christmas. I, I, my family made a big deal out of Christmas. And I know that a lot of the opinions um, and a lot of the feelings that people have about Christmas are shaped by their childhood. So I'm, I'm sensitive to that. Some of us had families that really made a big deal out of it. And it became, it was sort of this very magical occasion um, as kids growing up in a household when, you know, Christmas time came around. And I also understand that for other people, it was just the opposite. And maybe it, it surfaced a lot of, of negative things. It brought up a lot of family dynamics um, that affected them in a negative way. So I, I'm, I'm sensitive to, I understand that I had a really, I had a really positive Christmas experience growing up. So um, for me, it definitely, I think at a, on a, ba- at a baseline level, it brings up a lot of nostalgia for me. Okay. And it brings up sort of that childhood magic when, um, man, there's so much hope in the air. There's so much excitement in the air, the music that is playing and um, a lot of the festivities that surround the holiday. Um, it just evokes a lot of good memories for me. So in that sense, Every time the Christmas season comes around, there is a high nostalgia mm-hmm. factor to it that kind of comes into play. And it brings back a lot of great moments and memories in my life. So I love it for that. And, um, and so because of that, I, you know, I, I do a lot of, um, I work really hard, I should say, at trying to recreate some of that, whether it's in the decorations or the gift giving or the, the traditions that I still hold to that were created for me as a child. And so I don't know, it's just, it's this time of the year that I look forward to more than any other time of the year, because it's, it, uh, it transports me to another time and to another place, um, in my mind and in my heart that is probably, probably has an element of escape to it that I really enjoy. And again, that, that kind of suits my personality a little bit. So I think it's all of those things combined, you know, it's just a kind of a magical time of, of the year for sure. Yeah, well, our, our our history really does flow into it. My wife's family, uh, it was, yeah, so great. You know, in my family, my dad was really stressed out about it all the time. So, you know, I'll, I'll show him. I'm now twice as stressed out during Christmas as he was. I'll, I'll get back. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I'm, I'm trying to work out of it and and make sure that it's a, a positive thing for my kids. And I, and I hope that it is. Hope that it is. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. And for a lot of, you know, let's say employees, there's a lot of stress for Christmas, you know, with with my dad having to hit certain quotas by the end of the calendar year. And, and for us as preachers, we have certain, let's say workplace obligations, um, for, for Christmas to, to do the best Advent season ever. Um, and, uh, but anyway, we're, we're working through it. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think to answer the second part of your question, I, yeah, I, I think it is. A, it can be a very stressful time of the year for pastors, it, you know, really depending on the expectations that, a, you know, your particular church has for that time of the year and, 
maybe the particular programs that you have in place that require a lot of energy and a lot of time and the expectation is that they're going to be excellent and you have a wide audience that's going to be, you know, engaging in these things. And yeah. so, yeah, I, and I, so I, I really am sensitive to that. I, I understand that um, all too well, for sure. Yeah, very, it can be a very, very hectic and stressful time. I try, I've, I've always done my best to try to move, move to the other side of that and at least from, you know, try to develop a particular kind of perspective that says, well, hold on, let's think through this. Why are we, maybe, maybe instead of, maybe instead of make a, of stacking and layering so much during the Christmas season, is there a way for us to, um, you know, go a little more minimalistic? Can oh. we, can we sort of clear the decks a little bit for Christmas? So my, my whole thing, even from a, of a church staffing, um, perspective is, Hey, can we, can we make this more of a, um, a time that we, we don't feel so much pressure, but we eliminate some of that pressure and it can be a time of renewal and catching our breath and preparation for the new year. So I, I've tried to think of it more like that. I'm also in a particular setting where I, as a, as a church plant, um, we, we can sort of, we can sort of form it around those things because we're not battling any traditions that have to be upheld necessarily. So I have kind of an advantage in some of those ways too. So, yeah. I see. Well, I'd love to to ask about if you have any like, you know, advice about um, how maybe for those of us that are also in church plants or, or maybe for those of us that have, a st- you know, we're the, the 12th pastor of the historic church, yeah. you know, but like, but yeah. For those of us that that have, let's say, a shaping influence on how Advent is treated in a church, like what are ways that we can make the most of it? Um, you know, there's the the four Sundays leading up to Advent, um, and there's uh, how can we make that like a blessing um, to our congregation and you know, greedily personally for us and and for our families. Any any thoughts on that? You know, I think for some churches it might it might mean a culture shift. Um, into um, not necessarily putting such a high value on um, all of the traditions and maybe some of the programs, but maybe, you know, again, and this is going to sound simplistic probably, but, you know, how do we maximize Jesus, you know, in the Christmas season? And again, not to sound simplistic, but how do we maximize him in a way that says, hey, um, at the end of the day, we we don't want to feel like we're being just performative through, through Advent, but is there a way that we can, is there a way that we can, um, you know, um, design the Advent season, design the month of December around maximizing Jesus in a way that takes some of the emphasis on, you know, everything that we're trying to create and simplifies that into just a message of of Christ and the message of the incarnation. And so I think that there's, you know, man, we could, we could unpack this for hours. What are some of the ways that we can do that? Mm-hmm. Even though we might be in a scenario where we feel a, a huge amount of pressure to, to continue moving forward with, um, you know, some of the events and some of the programs and some of the expectations to have this big Advent series um, that's going to fulfill everybody's, you know, sort of, you know, magic impression of what the holiday is supposed to be like. Right. So I, I think even on a base level, it's like, hey, how do we maximize Christ in, uh, in a way that gets everybody off of sort of a creation of the thing 
and just focuses back on the person that we're, we claim we're supposed to be putting the majority of our emphasis on. I know easier said than, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's not an impossible task and, and you and others are doing it. So again, that's why I want to specifically seek you out and to, to help us, to help the, the listeners to the show and the, the preacher, you know, because this is going to be released on November 16th. Okay. And uh, yeah, so that means it's like, it's going to be released like very shortly before Advent officially starts. I think it's yeah. 28th of November is the official start of Advent on the, the church calendar. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's, it's here. And some people have ha probably had this planned out for months. Uh, yeah. Others are going to be maybe listening to this show and, and looking at the calendar and thinking, good grief, he's right. It, it is coming up soon. So for the, the people that are maybe even wondering, like, what are the, the I guess there's, there's culture shifts and that's, mm -hmm. that's great. But, you know, November 16th is too late to shift to culture or you could start it. But, but, but do you have any thoughts on like the kinds of things that we should be preaching on? Um, what are, what are some like Advent series that you've done or some Christmas sermons that you've done over the past that, that can maybe just get us thinking, um, along the lines of what we can offer to our people? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think, um, gosh, there's so, there's such a variety. And I think what happens is, is we, we kind of never, we kind of get our set, we, we kind of put ourselves into maybe a, a bit of a creative straitjacket because we. We think, well, Christmas is coming. So my options are Luke 2 mm -hmm. and Luke 2, you know, <laughs> and I think, um, and again, you know, I'm, I would be of the opinion that if that's all you ever did every year was go back to Luke 2 or some of these Christmas passages, you know, hearing those once a year and maybe unpacked in a, in a different, in a creative way or taking sort of a, a different theme that emerges from those texts. I, I don't think you're ever going to do wrong by doing that. It's not like it's something we're hearing week in and week out. So to remind people of the hope of Christ, the hope of the incarnation of, you know, light is dawning in the darkness. I think there's so much to do with those themes. And I think it would, it, I think for starters, it just takes us stepping back and saying, hey, um, certainly I haven't unpacked every aspect or every element of Christ's birth that can be unpacked. Yeah. So what, man, what are some creative ways that for myself, that can sort of increase my enthusiasm for it. Can I, can I look at and maybe try to, uh, try to, try to pull it. I remember one, um, I remember one Advent season I, we did, I think I did, I, I did some passages out of first Peter because man, it's such a hopeful book. And one of the themes that arises from first Peter is hope in the midst of suffering, man, that could be a great, that could be a great idea for this year, given the last 18 months. And given what, you know, the church as a whole has experienced. So you, you look at things more thematically, what would be, how, you know, what are some passages that could, that could provide me a, a theme of hope or love or joy or peace or some of these traditional Advent themes. And I think, um, you know, I think there's a way to do that if we, if we, um, you know, if we want to make it very, you know, a little more expositional in nature and maybe find a, you know, a book like First Peter, we can really sort of double down on some of those themes. Um, I think something else I've done, I've, I've, you know, we've done some topical series. Um, there was a book that came out by a guy named Daniel Darling called The Characters of Christmas. And that, that gave, which was a fantastic book, but it gave me the idea of saying, hey, let's focus in on, let's take four weeks and focus in on, a, on some of the primary characters of Christmas. So I think we did, 
you know, we did a, a, we did a week on Mary and we did a week on Joseph and we did a week, I think on, on, on Herod, King Herod and just sort of the, you know, sort of the villain of Christmas, what Daniel Darling calls him yeah. um, in his book. And, and man, that was a, that was, it was a great series. It was a really fun series. It was really interesting to, to kind of, you know, really unpack what might've been going on, you know, in the life of Joseph, you know, as he's, you know, sort of the adopted father of, of Jesus. And so those are just a couple of things I think that we can do um, in terms of being creative, um, still being expositional in how we want to present, you know, the Christmas story uh, to our people, but also doing it in a, in a fresh way as, as well. And I think the, too, the other thing is, is reminding ourselves that, man, we have to make sure personally that the incarnation is something that stays fresh for us. Okay. We need to pray and say, Holy Spirit, don't let this become dull to me. I mean, this is an incredible event for us, for the life of the church. I mean, I mean, you know, th- this idea of God being with us, Emmanuel, God with us. I mean, that's really, in a sense, that's the story of the Bible is, you know, is, is really God creating this plan to send his son um, so that we would experience his presence for now and for eternity. And so I, man, it's like anything else as a pastor, these, these themes, these things, we can become dull to them. And we got to just, we got to make sure that we're praying that the Lord would continue to develop a sense of awe um, for, you know, every aspect of, of scripture that, that, you know, can easily become dull in our own hearts. So I don't know if that answered your question, but. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Two, two different thoughts um, connected to that. So yeah you're speaking about these things becoming like alive or fresh to us and, and us as the preacher getting excited about it. I, I remember a couple of years ago, just getting really excited about the incarnation and, you know, like reading Athanasius and then digging into the various creeds and stuff. And so I like inflicted on my church, a several week series on all of the nitty gritty of the things that like, I got excited about, you know, and my dear wife was just like, people just want to hear a story about Jesus in a manger. Like you could just, (laughs) you could import maybe some of those things, but then also realizing too, that people aren't really, they don't care about Athanasius, you know, Um, and they don't care about the the, the nuances. Maybe they should a little bit, but they don't need to care as much as I do. So I I guess I, I, I totally affirm what you're saying, like that we need to get excited about it and then speak out of that excitement. And also, you know, I, w- I would add and be pastoral about it and be aware of the the cares of the people in the room, not just the, the guy with the microphone. Not everyone cares as much about it as you do. Yeah, that's a really uh, good point. And I think, well, yeah, I learned it. The, I learned it the hard way. I know. And gosh, we all learn those. We all learn those lessons. You know, it's so funny because I, I feel like there there's there's almost not a place in the Bible that doesn't go back to. Christ's birth, or you can't, you know, if we're saying all, if we're, you know, you know, your podcast being about, you know, expositional preaching, I mean, every, every, you know, the, everything goes back to Christ. And if everything goes back to Christ, then everything really goes back to um, Christ's birth. So I think sometimes we narrow this down a little bit too much because you, I think you can find any point in scripture and find a way to say, Hey, this points to Jesus. And so for Advent, for the next four weeks, we're going to be going through these particular passages that, you know, at the end of the day, point back to Christ for us. And so even using something that isn't obvious, like this is the obvious Advent passage, 
I think even using that as an opportunity to say, hey, guess what? All of scripture points to Christ. And here's a way that we're going to do that through Advent. Um, I, maybe we overthink this a little bit too much because we've been so influenced by the culture that says, no, here's our Advent passages. Here's our Christmas passages. Well, it's like, I, 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 think, I think it goes way wider than that. Sure. And that's actually very connected to the, the other thing I, w- I wanted to say. I flipped my Bible open to, to 1 Peter as you were talking about that, kind of skimming over the first chapter that you referenced. Uh, I don't see much in there about, you know, Jesus being born and laid in a manger. <laughs> um, but I see a lot in there about, about hope and about the difference that Christ has made in our lives, uh, essentially by his entrance into, into our world, you know? Uh, so I think that's even perfectly ex- an example of what you're just talking about. Yeah. It doesn't need to be Luke 2 every single, every single year but it's connected to the hope that he brings. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Okay, man, this is... First off, let me also admit, I don't have my Advent period <laughs> planned out either. So so I am also taking notes on this. You still got a few weeks, you're good. I think you still... Okay. Uh, yeah, I st- I'm, I'm working. This, this is my sermon prep right now. So I think <laughs> to be a, an outside consultant. Um, so that's kind of maybe some some sermon thoughts. And, and again, much of this podcast is about preaching, but then also too, it's for church leaders and we we do more than just the, the pulpit. But like, do you have any thoughts about like how the music, how the decorations, how the whole service can be building this anticipation for 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 the coming of Christ? Yeah, I, ju- I just think it's such a great opportunity to to you know, to point to Jesus. And I hope our churches are doing that every week. I hope every week in some ways are like a Christmas service yeah, yeah. that we point to Jesus. And I really feel like they should be. And I'm, and I'm not trying to be clever when I say that either or ironic. Um, but I think there is something unique about this particular season um, in that everybody's radar is, is, is up and the things that we're engaging in and the things that we're hearing and, um, and when you think about newcomers, you know, a lot of people experience new people coming into the church, you know, during the month of December, whether it's people that are traveling, whether it's people coming to a Christmas Eve service or, Hey, the new year's coming. Um, we get this, um, we're, we're just looking around for a church right now. And we feel like December is a good opportunity to do that as we're, you know, kind of anticipating the new year. And so, you know, coming into coming into an environment that has been created to be welcoming and invitational, um, which is, you know, when we, when we do maybe some Christmas decorations, um, you create a sense of warmth and a sense of welcome and a sense of invitation. That's what Christmas does for most people. And I, I would say, don't, don't miss that opportunity to do that. You know, um, not knowing how the Lord will use those things um, to, to bring in some new people that, that, you know, might be attending your church in the new year. Um, but again, and then having that as the occasion then to really um, point to Jesus, to show people that you're a church that elevates Christ right. above all else. And just saying, hey, so we're going to be talking about Christmas. We're going to be talking about Advent. But just so you know, um, this is the backdrop for everything that we do. We're, you're, not, you're not getting a bait and switch here. Um, and in fact, in January, February, we're just going to continue to talk and preach Jesus at our church. Um, so this is a great opportunity to introduce them um, in, a, in a very different way, um, in a very maybe more overtly welcoming and invitational way to who you are uh, most of the year. So I would say 
yeah, go for it. You know, use, use Christmas as a great opportunity to do that, to have decorations, to do some creative things, to be a very welcoming church and see how the Lord might use that. Yeah. Amen. I, I love it. Yeah. We want to be Christ focused in December and January and February. That's, that's yeah. So, so we're all about that's, that's, yeah. Uh, so here's, here's a, a question. So we talked about kind of the name decorations a little and the sermons. Um, what, what are some really good Christmas carols that you think that we should sing? Do you have any, you're a musician, but are there any like good old Christmas carols that we should be aware of that maybe we aren't? Do you have something obscure for us? Oh man. Yeah. I, gosh, there's a couple, there's a couple that I've just found that people have set my way that have become, um, really, I think they've almost become like traditional you know, Christmas hymns, right? One in particular that comes to mind is, a, is an old hymn called Let All Mortal Flesh Be Silent. Mm, yeah. And it is just this, I mean, it's not how you think of a Christmas hymn. It's, it's very brooding and it's very dark, but it's very beautiful. And so I think, I think, um, even, I think even having those moments in our Christmas services where we allow sort of the darkness of Christmas yeah. To come to light, so to speak, um, and allowing, uh, and allowing those, those more contemplative moments, um, you know, to consider what it meant for Christ to, to, uh, you know, to, to come in the flesh, you know, to, to see the world of darkness that he was entering in the humble way that he, that he entered it and to let some of our music reflect that. So little moral flesh be silent is it's one of those songs that, that I think really evokes some of the darkness of Christmas. You know, it's so funny too, when you really, um, when you really look at some of the lyrics, and I think even this goes back to your question earlier, even, um, you know, spending some time maybe in a service unpacking some of these, these lyrics to some of these hymns, you know, when you, when you sing a song like God rest ye merry gentlemen, I mean, that's just straight up gospel, you know? Um, and the fact that those songs are going to be played in, you know, department stores, uh, around the around the country, around the world, is phenomenal to me. When you think about the words that are coming through the speakers, and um, and their their words that talk about our sin and having and needing a second birth, you know, through you know the the death and resurrection of Christ. And gosh, I think it's such a great opportunity for those songs that are just ringing in our ears. For you know, better or worse, we can't get them out. Mm -hmm. um, but for even even being able to communicate to our people, man, there's so much depth here in some of these hymns, like God rest you, Mary gentlemen, and O come uh, Emmanuel. And some of those, even joy to the world, some of these more rousing sort of praise right. and oriented songs. Um, the lyrics are so rich. Hark the herald angels sing. Um, gosh, there's just, there's so much richness. There's so much gospelness that comes through these hymns. And I think what can happen is people go, Oh, I get so tired. And oh, the I'm just I'm it's it's December third, and I'm already so sick of these Christmas hymns. You just got to go. Well, hold on, wait a minute, because man, there's 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 never been a greater opportunity at any time of the year um, for the world to actually get you know the 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 sounds and the words of the gospel um, just sort of beaming into their ears and maybe dropping into their hearts. You never know how God can use that. So I say. Um, you know, I say, God bless us all, everyone, <laughs> Christmas hymns, and making sure that, that they're a part of your, your week, week to week, um, to the, to the best that you can, because I know that there is a, there's a, 
there's a bit of an anti-Christmas sentiment. I know we, especially with pastors, with, with worship pastors, where um, I think we've, you know, we're really afraid of, of being t- maybe t- a little too cheesy with some of these things. Mm-hmm. But I would say, man, those, no, really dive into some of those hymns that are, that are, that there's a lot of depth and richness and, and um, yeah, that would be my encouragement. Don't, don't walk away, you know, um, man, d- dive in. Yeah. Do you, do you have any like um, contemporary songs that you'd recommend? Any new Christmas song? I'm, I didn't prep you on this one, but. Yeah, that's a great question. I, gosh, um, nothing, co- gosh, nothing comes to mind. Um, I'm okay, I got one. <laughs> you can think. I'm okay, gonna, I'm there's, yeah, there's, there's a great one. It's called um, From the Squalor of a Borrowed Stable. And it's wow. by um, okay. Stuart Townend. He's a, a, a British guy. And that's a, it's a really good one. And it is a, you know, quote unquote Christmas song because it begins with Christ's birth. But that's just the first verse, you know? And then from there, then it goes to his life, his teaching, his death, his yeah. resurrection. As, as actually many of the classic Christmas carols do as well. They, it, it's not just, it's not that he, that he came, it's that he died and rose again. But that's a, a great one. That's a, a contemporary one. You know, it just made me think. I, I did. I, I, I figured. I figured if I got the ball rolling, you'd. Yeah, you got to roll. <laughs> we, I think we sang this last year. It was a, it was a, it's a song from Sovereign Grace who did a Christmas album and it was called Oh Come All Ye Unfaithful. Ooh. Oh Come All Ye Unfaithful. I don't think they used the ye. I don't think they're going King James on us. Yes. But I think it was Oh Come All You Unfaithful. And I remember our worship guy introduced that to the congregation and it was, it was really good. So yeah, I think if you seek out some, definitely some, some recordings from maybe some, you know, from people maybe that are actually writing new music for that right now, um, you're, you're definitely sure to find some, some stuff with some rich, rich lyrics, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, and we've, we've never done this corporately and we, we probably never will, but I do appreciate the Dustin Kensrue song. Um, this is war. Have you heard that one? Oh. Um, it's a, it's, it's powerful. Um, good song just about the, the offensive nature of God coming yeah. to human flesh to, to destroy the works of the devil as yeah. uh, John would tell us. Yeah, that's good. That's good. But, uh, maybe not the most congregational, um, of songs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm looking at my, my list of topics. So we've talked about why you like it. We've talked about ways to like maximize the Sundays. You've, you've given us some great uh, sermon series um, ideas. Um, I have a, a final question on, on preaching. And then I'd love to see if you have any uh, books you could recommend yeah. uh, to us or to our families about the Advent season. But um, with, with sermons and sermon series, have you ever or would you recommend like um, reusing a series? And, and if so, how, long, how, how many years should go between the, the, the last time you preached that Christmas series and, and this one? That's just, that is such a great question. You know, I, I, would, be of, I would be of the mindset that, um, you know, I, we can preach the same sermon, you know, um, we, we can drag out old sermons. Um, and I think, I think preachers should have the freedom uh, to do that. So not even just for Christmas time, but... Um, Man, I, I always like grabbing something I did, maybe not even that long ago, maybe within the last couple of years and yeah. just said, man, I think, I think I can unpack that a little bit better than I did. And this is not somebody anybody's going to remember. And if they do, well, that's great. We want them yeah. to remember things. Yeah. 
And so I, I always think that's a great idea because, you know, it could be something you've put a lot of work into and you can put more work into. Right. And um, it can be something that maybe is even going to fit culturally and contextually today than it did when you preached it a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I would say, I would say definitely that for, um, for Advent. In fact, it's funny you say that because the nature of what happened for us in Advent last year was we had to go, we had to, we had to shut down services because we had a massive COVID outbreak in our church that happened right at the end of November. Okay. And so we ended up having to shut down Sundays for a few weeks and we recorded some sermons. And I just, I wasn't very happy with, with the way that all kind of happened. And I wasn't happy with the way that I preached it. Mm-hmm. And so my suggestion to uh, my worship leader was, I said, hey, what if we not verbatim, but what if we revisited the theme so we had a theme of, of God being with us, Emmanuel. And I said, I would like to maybe kind of repeat that theme, at least in some ways. Can we go back to that? And he liked that. So we, we are able to, at least for one service, kind of go back and take that theme, maybe even, maybe even the passage we used, and um, kind of do a, a do-over on it. So I, I think that's totally acceptable. Now, in terms of the time, I mean, gosh, I, I, don't, I have no idea, you know? Um, I mean, if, if somebody in my congregation remembers a sermon I preached three weeks ago, I'm, I, my mind, right? Yeah, um, I so I, I think we're too sensitive to that. I think we overestimate how absolutely. much they're actually remembered. So Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that at, at, at all. In fact, I always think of it as being the opportunity, um, again, to, uh, to re-engage in something that you may be able to do a better job with. I know that in the you know, we're going on eight, nine years history of our plant here. I mean, I've already preached through the book of Jonah twice, you know, uh, because, you know, I wanted to do it again. I forget why it came in a moment where I thought it would really be a good, the messaging behind Jonah, I thought would be yeah. really good for where we were at as a congregation. And there were some things I didn't pull out the first time that I thought, well, there's opportunity to, to pull it out the second time. And I can, I think I can do it better. Um, so I would be all for that. Absolutely. Well, yeah, thanks. Hopefully, maybe you gave somebody permission to to do so just now, and that was just what somebody was needing to hear. So I wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Let me say this. Let me add something to that, Mike. I sure. also think I'm also about trying to unbusy ourselves during the Christmas season to the best of our ability. Mm-hmm. And so I think even as a preacher, for a preacher to be able to go back in mind some of the things he's done, so that sermon prep is not dominating. Um, his Advent season. Yeah, I'm all for it. You know, because you have a lot of other things that are demanding your time during that year. And if you can, and, and if somehow you can um, use that to your advantage for the series you're preaching through, I say absolutely go for it. You know. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad to hear that. Um, yeah, a couple of years ago, we were like moving church buildings at the end of November, big beginning of December, and decided. Okay. I'm. I'm going to revisit one from 2012. You know. Hardly anyone was even here in the church back then. Um, it's a whole new congregation and there's a whole lot of other stuff that was dominating my time. And then, you know, Ronnie, not a single person noticed, not a single person, uh, nobody said, you know, I, I mentioned it to some people and they were like, uh, this is all sounds new. And I'm like, no, no, you were here the first time. Uh, I don't know, Mike, <laughs> it's, this all sounds new to me. So yeah, it's both good and bad, right? I know. It's good in the sense that well, I'm glad you remember it and bad. It's yeah. like, so you don't remember it, huh? Seriously, but, uh, that was my that was my baby, you know. Uh, right. Yeah. 
Well, anyway, hey, Ronnie, so what, what books do you, do you recommend? Um, have you written any books? Are you writing any books <laughs> on this? Uh, and how can we find them? Well, okay, so I have written, uh, I've written an Advent book for kids. It's called The Best Gift Ever Written. came out two years ago. Great thing about an Advent book is- Best like, book ever, best, best gift ever given. The best gift ever given, yeah. Yes. It's, a, it's an illustrated Advent book for kids. Um, so that was really fun, really enjoyable. And, um, so uh, yeah, that's available now for anybody that wants to take their kids, uh, through something like that. Um, and I, I'm, and then, so I'm writing a, uh, not really a follow-up to that, but I, I wanted to write an Advent book that was more geared towards adults, but we st I still wanted it to be illustrated. And so have it be kind of artistic and contain some places in there to journal. And mm -hmm. so that is coming out next year. Um, we're finishing writing that right now and the, I have an illustrator that's finishing that. And so that one is coming out this time in, in 2022. So, which I think it's going to be called the God who is with us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a couple of things I've written, a couple of things I've enjoyed. Um, man, I love Christmas books. So I even love the cheesy Christmas romance books. I actually read some of those. Um, and, um, you know, you can, you can blast that to anybody that wants to hear about that. Um, I also love reading uh, Christmas Carol uh, by Charles Dickens. One of my, yeah. probably my favorite just story of all time. I love that story. So I usually try to, to read that because it's actually a pretty short story. Um, some, some, mo some more like modern books that have been written about Christmas. I mentioned The Characters of Christmas by Daniel Darling. Yes. Super fun book, short, um, but really insightful. Um, I really enjoyed a book by Tim Keller called Hidden Christmas that came out a few years ago. Um, I, I, I thought that was really good. And then I always grab, I always try to grab a new Advent book every year. My wife and I like to just go through that as, as a tradition, something fun too, that have been really good that I enjoyed the last couple of years were uh, Sinclair Ferguson wrote a book called Love Came Down um, at Christmas. And then I think last year, a book by David Mathis um, called The Christmas We Didn't Expect was a, another 25 day kind of Advent devotional book that came out. Uh, and both of those were really, really good. Um, so, um, yeah, I always try to grab something new every year because I love it so much. Kind of keeps me in the one of the things that keeps me in the holiday mood. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's great. A while, a while ago, I read um, a, bon, a Bonhoeffer devotional. Uh, I think it's called oh, okay. God in the Manger. Man, oh, yeah. talk about a bummer. <laughs> I mean, it's it's rich and and the like you know he like yeah. wrote it in a concentration camp you know okay. execution. So while it it you know like you mentioned how there's certain even songs that kind of emphasize like kind of the darkness of it yeah and the longing. Um, I was you know trying to get myself in the holiday spirits and I chose the most kind of dismal and um, <laughs> right. bleak, accurate, honest, and truthful, but. Um, yeah, yep. so it's 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 important. Um, I I picked up a book um, about I think January of last year. You know, in a in a sale at a Christian bookstore by Alistair Begg called Christmas Playlist. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah. I, I kind of I kind of flicked through it and I thought I'm just going to read this even if I'm not preparing for a sermon series. And then that's that's as far as I got. So I'm definitely going to be reading that in the next couple of days. But uh, I think it's kind of a collection of like you know Christmas sermons put into print. But, yeah. That's great. And there's the yeah, optimism, I'm sure. And I've been I've been listening to said fantasy for the past couple of days. Uh oh. Your 
hidden secret side project or having, uh, you, you did some old Christmas carols on there that I've been enjoying. So yeah, some instrumental, uh, instrumental carols I did a few years back, real, really minimal. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes so other people can listen to it as well too. So, mm. well, Ronnie, thanks so much for this. This has been a, yeah, this is a, a Christmas gift to all of us. Thanks for oh, thanks so just joy. Yeah. And you've hopefully helped some preachers to, to get a second feeling of the Christmas spirit or to be baptized by the Christmas spirits. Uh, Thanks for having me. I appreciate, I appreciate it. Um, I love talking about it. So this was a pleasure and privilege for me. So thanks so much. Maybe have you on in 12 months again to hype your new book and to freshly inspire us uh, again. So. Oh man, we love it. We love it. Thanks very much. All right, brother. Okay, well, thanks so much, Ronnie, and thanks to you for listening all the way to the end. So in the past 12 months, you know, our podcast listenership has, you know, really shot up. And so I know that there's lots of people who weren't listening or weren't subscribed when that originally came out. So uh, it might be a, a repeat for some of you. Um, and it's brand new for a lot of you as well. So anyway, welcome aboard, uh, stick around and, uh, thanks again to Ronnie, uh, check out the show notes for a link for his book, uh, published by BNH called the God who is with us 25 day devotional for Advent in just a few short days. It's Tuesday again. And there is a follow-up conversation that I had with Paul Leboutier. Um, you heard his main session last Tuesday, and then I did kind of a one-on-one follow-up interview with him about it. So stay tuned on Tuesday. Um, I wish you the happiest of Christmases and the merriest of Advents. God bless. God bless.